Hi everyone, this is Brant Van Rokel, lead pastor of Christ City Kitsilano, and I want to let you know about a couple of things. First, if you're not a part of a local church, let me invite you to join us at 5th Avenue Cinema on Burrard Street at 9.30 a.m. We meet every Sunday morning for worship, word, and sacrament, and we'd love for you to join us there. Second, if you are new and you want to get connected, let me say welcome. Christ City Church Kitsilano is a neighborhood church committed to making missional disciples for the sake of the neighborhood. If you want to hear more about what God has called us to here in Kitsilano, then please reach out to me at brant at christcitychurch.ca or you can visit christcitychurch.ca slash Kitsilano. Today is taken from Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 to 15. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. Then he said, do not come near, take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Parasites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now, behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppress them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt, he said. But I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you, that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say this to the people of Israel, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. So you are seated. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for being with us this morning as we learn about your goodness, your grace, your deliverance, your love, 
towards your people, towards us. As much as Moses and the people of Israel needed you, we need you. We need you and we pray that you will reveal yourself to each one of us this morning, that we will grow in loving you, in trusting you, and following you. In your Son we pray. Amen. Good morning, Christ City. My name is Alvin, part of the team here. So good to be able to share God's Word with you this morning. If you're visiting or you are here for your first time this morning, say welcome and thank you for being here with us. But if you come here every Sunday diligently and you are expecting a tall preacher this morning, I'm sorry, that's not going to happen. Um, I can't help it. Uh, but yeah, we've been uh, studying the book of Exodus and we are in chapter 3 today. And this chapter is very important and let me explain why. Up to this point, we have seen how the people of Israel were in the land of Egypt, but they were enslaved and oppressed by Pharaoh because they were too many. Last week, we also heard how baby Moses was miraculously spared and adopted to, to the Egyptian royal family. But we also read how Moses was trying to seek justice for the oppressed people. He killed an Egyptian man who was actually beating a Hebrew slave. That made Pharaoh very angry and want to kill Moses. So Moses ran away to Midian. There he rescued seven daughters of a priest from the shepherds who actually bullied them. So Moses finally sat there in Midian, married one of the priest's daughters, and this is how he described himself by naming his son Gershom. This is what he said about himself. I have been a sojourner. I have been a sojourner in a foreign land. Unlike many people around the world wanting to leave their country, their home country, and settle here in Canada as immigrants, at that time, being a sojourner in foreign land means that you lose two important ties in your life. You're going to lose your family. You lost your home. No family, no home, no land. And that's Moses now. Now with that in mind, let's take a look how chapter 3 begins. Verse 1. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian, by the way, this is still the same guy. This is Ray Well, the priest in chapter 2. Same guy, just two names. And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Now, although it doesn't say here, but we know from the New Testament that Moses was actually 40 years old at the end of chapter 2. Moses was 40 years old. But do you know how old Moses was here in chapter 3? He's 80. He's 80, and, and the chapter just opens with that word, now, 40 years gone. He is 80, and he's an old man now, but that doesn't stop God from using him. You see what happened to Moses so far, him being a fugitive in a foreign land, leading Jethro's flock to the wilderness, arriving to the mountain of God, this whole thing foreshadows what will happen next in this book that Moses will be leading the people of Israel, God's flock, who were slaves in a foreign land, and that is Egypt, to the wilderness. And not only that, 
Moses will also lead them here, the mountain of God, Mount Horeb. Like Moses, the people of Israel will meet God here. Not in a burning bush, it's a different way, but it's still the same God. So chapter 3 is very pivotal for us and for the story because from this point onwards, the story shifts its focus. See, in chapter 1 and chapter 2, we have lots of Pharaoh, lots of Egypt. But now we will shift the focus from Pharaoh to Horeb, from, from Egypt to Mount Horeb, from Pharaoh to God. From the great oppression of the mighty king of Egypt to the great deliverance of the mighty God of Israel. In Christ's city, the book of Exodus is not only about Israel getting a rescue from Egypt. It's more than that. It's about Israel being saved from the rule of pharaohs to the reign of God. From the rules of Pharaoh to the reign of God. And in these first 15 verses, we're going to learn three things about God's reign over Israel. His presence, His deliverance, His glory. His presence, His deliverance, and His glory. Point number one, His presence. Let's look at verses two and three. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. Now, who is this angel of the Lord? The angel of the Lord is actually God himself. Because Moses wrote, and God said, and the Lord said, and God said, and he said, this is God himself talking to Moses. But why use the word angel? That word helps us understand that what Moses saw was the manifestation of God. Not in its fullest sense, because God, you can imagine this, who created the universe would be too big for your eyes to see, right? But it's real. It's really God himself whom Moses saw. Moses didn't give us much description of the angel, but let's think about the significance of this flaming bush. You know, in the world we live in, fire and bush, they're not good friends, are they? Right? They're not friends. We have a couple of people uh, from Australia here among us, and they can tell you the word bushfire <laughs> is not a good word, something that you don't want over there. It's actually as devastating as our wildfire here in BC. But here we have fire in the midst of the bush. It doesn't make any sense. But you see, in the Bible, fire signifies something else, something which I think more important, especially to this story. Before the book of Exodus, we have the book of Genesis. And in the beginning of Genesis, God created human beings. God created Adam and Eve. And they walked with God in the Garden of Eden. God was with them. But then they sinned. They disobeyed God's command. And because of that, they could no longer be with God. They had to leave the garden, away from God's presence. And this is what God did to prevent them from coming back in. This is what God did. 
Genesis 3, verse 24. He, that is God, drove out the man, and at the east of the Garden of Eden, he placed the cherubim and a flaming sword. A flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. You see, fire separates. It separates God and humans. And you know what? That's good. It's good because we can't be with God if we are sinful. If we meet God, we will die. We would be consumed, we'll be zapped, obliterated in an instant. God. With that in mind, a burning bush is more than just a miracle. It means that God, in His holiness, wants to be with Moses. The holy God wants to be with His people. The holy God wants to be with us despite our sinfulness. And that is spectacular. That is the greater sight. But first thing first, let's go back to Exodus chapter 3, this time verses 4 to 6a. When the Lord saw that He turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. You see, the ground is not holy. I'm sorry. You see, the ground is holy because, hang on, you, uh, the ground is holy. It's not because it's inherently holy. Now I get it, sorry. The ground is holy. It's not because it is inherently holy. The ground is holy because the holy God is there. But what is more, in, more intriguing is that God didn't tell Moses to stay away. God didn't tell Moses to flee. He wants Moses to stay. But Moses also needs to know that God, who is just right in front of his face, is still the holy God. Now, some of you, um, I think you've be, ever been around the neighborhood near the U.S. border, you know, down just south of, of, of our area. You know what it's like to be near something, but you can't touch it. Feels so close, but you can't touch it. So if you stand near the border, you know, like 0F, 0F, you're still in Canada. You look to the south, what do you see? It's the U.S. You're in Canada, you see, it's, it's U.S. You could even be talking with your American neighbors face to face. They did this. But don't you dare to go across. Don't you ever dare to go across. They even put an up sign along the border. Do you know what it says? Stop. Take your sandals off. For you are about to trespass the holy ground. No, no, it doesn't say that. But you know what I mean. <laughs> Seriously, you can't just go across. Then there's an um, invisible borderline between us and the U.S. It's invisible, but you can't go across although you are that close. And I think this is what happened here. Moses was in very close proximity to God. 
it, there's an invisible line between him and God that he cannot cross. Verse 6, and he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. This is very interesting, because Moses was running away from Egypt, and he was running away from Egypt because he was afraid of Pharaoh. He is in the wilderness right now for at least 40 years because he was running away from Pharaoh. He was afraid of Pharaoh. Do you remember when Brent said last week that Moses was both an Egyptian and a Hebrew, that his name could mean uh, son in Egyptian, Egyptian language, or it means out of the water in Hebrew. You see that as an Egyptian, Moses was afraid of the king of Egypt. But as a Hebrew, Moses was afraid of the God of the Hebrews. You see the contrast here. When Moses became afraid of Pharaoh, what did he do? He ran away from him to the wilderness. When Moses became afraid of God, he stays with God in the wilderness. And I think this is key. In Pharaoh's presence, Moses sensed fear. In God's presence, Moses sensed reference. From fear to reference. Christ City, if Exodus is about the shift from Pharaoh's rule to Yahweh's reign, to God's reign, this is the first thing we learn. God's holy presence doesn't bring out fear. It brings out reference. God's holy presence doesn't bring out fear. It brings out reference. He is holy, and we should treat Him holy, and He calls us to draw near. And don't run away. Stay. Stay with Him and enjoy His greatness and His holiness. So that's our point number one. His presence brings out not fear, but reference. Point number two, His deliverance. Let's read verses 7 and 8. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, and all the ites. What's so interesting here is the verbs. God heard, God saw, God knew. And that's actually a human verb, isn't it? As if God had ears, God had eyes. But what's more interesting is he wants Moses to do the same. God heard the people's groaning. Moses now hears God's voice. God saw the people of Israel. Moses now sees God in the midst of the burning bush. God knew the people of Israel. God knew his, their suffering. Moses now knows God and his holy presence. And not only Moses, God also wants the people of Israel to hear God, to see Him, to see His mighty works, to know Him, to know His holiness, His greatness, His majesty. 
And this book is all about that. Israel, the people of Israel, hear, see, and know the Lord. Last week, we read something similar at the end of chapter 2. But let's spot the difference. There's a very important difference between the two. Um, let me line up the verbs up on the next slide. Yep. So from Exodus uh, chapter 2, verses 24 to 25, God heard their groaning and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. God saw the people of Israel and God knew. It's very similar, right? Can you spot the difference? We have heard, we have remembered, we have saw, we have knew. If you look at chapter 3, I have surely seen, I have heard, I know. There's one missing. We don't have the verb remember in chapter 3. And I think this is what happens. In chapter 2, when when it says God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob, it's actually repeated in chapter 3, but with real plan and action. I have come down. I will deliver them out. I will bring them up. And that is how God remembers his covenant. You see this? To God, remembering is not recalling something that's been forgotten. There's no way God, who knows everything, from eternity to eternity, could simply forget. To God, remembering is doing an action out of something that is foundationally and perpetually binding. To remember is to honor. He remembers means he honors his covenant, his promises with his people. You see, Exodus is not only about a rescue. It's about God remembering His covenant with His people and taking real action by delivering them. The other thing we want to look at is God's deliverance has two directions. It's both deliverance from and deliverance to. Deliverance from and deliverance to. Let's see. Um, let's take a look at verse 8. I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Good and broad land, milk and honey. But hang on, the land is not empty. There were all these nations, and they're not they're not nice people. You know, like Canadians, they're not nice. Maybe we're not so nice anymore. I don't know. Uh, but how would a young nation like Israel, who were nothing but slaves in Egypt, enter this awesome land and fight against these nations who were much stronger than them? How? Let's look the following verses to find out. Verses 9 and 10 now. And now, behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppress them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. You see, the word come here is actually better translated as go. 
because in Hebrew, it's the same word between come or go. And this is also part of my difficulties in learning English because in Indonesian, it's also the same thing. You know, like, which one is come, which one is go. But for, <laughs> for our purposes here, it's better to, tr to be translated as go. So God said, Moses, I'm about to deliver Israel, but now you go. You go and you will lead them out. I'm sending you to Pharaoh and lead my people out of, of, of Egypt. Hang on. I go? I thought you want to go. So Moses, knowing fully who he is and what he's capable of, he replied. Verse 11. Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? This reply doesn't mean that he didn't want to do it. It's just a fair and honest assessment of who he is compared to Pharaoh. And Moses was right. All odds are against Moses. And here's how God replied. But I will be with you. And this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. You see, God didn't say like our world might say to us when we face an impossible task, something like this, you can do it, Moses. You can do it. Just give it a try. Believe in yourself. I believe in you. Follow your heart. Trust your heart. Achieve your dream. Just fly and go. Moses, I will be with you. My presence will be with you. And I love the way God gives him the sign. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you, and this is very important, Christ City, this is actually y'all. Y'all. You all. Plural. <laughs> Meaning that Moses and the people of Israel shall serve God on this mountain. Sign is like signature. It's supposed to give assurance. That's why we sign the contract. Gives assurance. Something we can trust, something we can hold on to right here, right now. If you're entering a lease, you want to sign a contract right now, not at the end of the lease. Doesn't make any sense. In Canada, there's a lot of highways, and then when you drive on, on a highway, you're going to see a lot of signs, right? And the more important signs for us are which signs? The exit signs, right? And also the gas signs if you go to Kokihala. But yeah, the exit signs, <laughs> yes? And now uh, think about this for, for a sec. And where do they put the exit signs? Before or after the exit? Imagine if you read the sign like this, exit to Whistler. I'm sorry, you miss it. It's two kilometers behind. <laughs> but you know, Christ City, we can actually have assurance by the things that certainly, surely, 100% will happen in the future. Like sunrise in the morning. You can trust that. And we call it faith. Hebrews 11, verse 1, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction 
of things not seen. What does Moses need to carry out the impossible task? What does he need? Faith. So what does the young nation of Israel need to enter the promised land and face those nations? It's the same thing. They need faith. And what kind of faith? Faith that God is with them. And you know what? Israel did actually arrive at the mountain of God and they served Him. They served Him and they worshipped Him. In Hebrew, the word worship and serve come from the same word. They served Pharaoh as slaves in Egypt with groaning and crying, but soon they will serve and worship God as His people on God's mountain with rejoicing and thanksgiving. See the contrast here? Christ City, I pray that this will be true to us as well. That we gather here in this place this morning and every Sunday to meet God our Savior. We want to meet Him. We want to see Him. We're aware of His holiness. We're aware of our status as His redeemed people. We want to serve and worship Him with a grateful heart, not as an oppressed people. Exodus is a shift from Pharaoh's rule to God's reign. And under God's reign, His presence brings out not fear but reverence. His deliverance brings out not slavery but service. Not slavery but service. And that brings us to the last point. Point number three, His glory. His glory. We see verse 13 now. That Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? In a polytheistic world, that is the world of many gods, it is actually extremely important to know the name of the God you worship. It's pretty much like when you put the, the right address on the envelope before you mail mail it out, you want to have the, the right address. In a world that many gods, when you pray, you want to make sure that it arrives to the right God, right? But a, a name of a God bears more than just a name. It signifies its power, its ability, its domain, its characters. The name carries the weight of the God. And this is what Moses asked for. We see verses 14 to 15, and this is how God replied. God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. And thus, I am to be remembered throughout all generations. God gives three successive answers to Moses. It's amazing. Three, not one. Three. And let's unpack each of this a little bit here. First sentence, I am who I am. And by saying, I am who I am, God affirms that He's more than just being different from other gods. He is completely and categorically different. 
I am who I am. I am altogether different and I have no equal and I am actually incomparable. I am who I am. You don't create me, I created you. You don't define me, I defined you. I am who I am. Second sentence, I am has sent me to you. It means God, this great I am, He remembers His covenant. He actively fulfills His promises to the people He loves. The great I am is not just up there. He is the God who is among us, right here, right now, real action, real plan, real time. And the last sentence, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. You see that the Lord is all capitalized here. And you're going to see this throughout the Old Testament. It's a translation from a four-letter Hebrew word, Y-H-W-H, Y-H-W-H, which is pronounced Yahweh. And you also notice that I am is also capitalized. And you know why? Because the word I am and Yahweh, they come from the same root in Hebrew. I am is Yahweh. Yahweh is the name that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the people of Israel knew and worshipped. He's the creator God who is also active in history. He's faithful in keeping his promises to his people. And that is his name. That whole sentence is his name. That's how God wants to be remembered, to be honored. And not only by Moses, not only by Israel at a time, but by everyone forever, generation after generation. God heard, God saw, God knew. Moses heard, Moses saw, Moses knew. Israel will hear, will see, and will know. And this time God remembered His people and His promise. Moses and Israel will also remember God and His faithfulness. And I think this is one of the major themes of the book. To remember Him just as He remembers us. To remember how faithful He, he is in keeping His promises. To, to honor Him and to honor His name just as He honors His covenant with us. Christ City, you will hear this again and again. Remember, 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 remember. And not only in the book of Exodus, it echoes and rings throughout the whole book in the Bible. Remember. Remember. When God remembers His covenant with His people, He takes action and He fulfills His promises. When we are called to remember God and His name, we are called to walk in faith and obey Him. Obey what He calls us to do. And that's how we remember God. And we call that devotion. Devotion. If Exodus is shifts from Pharaoh's rule to God's reign, and under God's reign, 
His presence brings out not fear, but reverence. His deliverance brings out not slavery, but service. His glory brings out not oppression, but devotion. You see this, Christ City? And the story doesn't stop here with Israel. Jesus came down for us so that we too can hear, we too can see, know, and remember God. Jesus himself is the great I am. You know, although Jesus never bluntly said that, I am God, but repeatedly, repeatedly, he declared that he is the great I am. I am the good shepherd. I am the true vine. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am. I am. I am. He is the great I am, the same great I am that appears to Moses in the burning bush. And that makes Jesus even greater than Moses. Yahweh sent Moses to the people of Israel as his emissary and mediator. But Jesus is Yahweh himself, God the Son, who also became the Father's emissary and mediator sent down for us. And because Jesus is God, what we learn today about God also applies to Jesus. Also applies to Jesus. Think about this. Learn about his presence, his deliverance, his glory. It means that Jesus' presence is God's presence for us. Jesus' deliverance is God's deliverance for us. Jesus' glory is God's glory for us. The Bible teaches when we see Jesus, we see God. When we see Jesus, we see God. Though Jesus is holy, He never stops us from drawing near. Never stop us from drawing near. He calls us to draw near. Not only that, He even went to the cross. He went to the cross. He got forsaken by the Father as if the Father hid His face from His Son. You see this imagery? He did this so that in Jesus, in Jesus, we can be with God. That we can be with God, no more fire, no more line that separates us from God. Jesus' deliverance is God's deliverance for us. Jesus came to save the lost, the broken, the poor, the homeless, the needy, like you and I. But Jesus' deliverance is more than just a rescue from sin and earthly suffering. He is preparing a place for us in heaven and one day will be with Him eternally. A place where we see no more tears, no more pain, no more darkness, no more deaths. And what's the sign? He gives us faith. Faith that believes that one day Jesus will come again and this thing will happen and we'll go with Him. And because Jesus is God, Jesus' glory is God's glory for us. John chapter 1, verse 14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And that glory is what we remember. 
that glory is what we remember as we gather here together, when we praise His name, when we pray to Him, when we partake communion every Sunday. Remember, remember, remember. We remember His sacrifice. We remember His faithful love towards us. But we are also called to honor Him. We remember, we honor Him as we live and we work, we study in this city, as we devote our lives to Him. We honor Jesus by obeying His command so that the people of this city will know that Jesus is Lord. Trust the Lord, Christ City. We are called to obey the Lord and the people will worship Him. That's the sign. Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 to 11. Therefore God has highly exalted Him and bestowed on Him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, the great I Am, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It's inevitable. It's going to happen. So Christ City, how do we respond today? If this is the first time you hear about Jesus and you would like to know more about Him, feel free to chat with me or Brent after the gathering. Love to talk to you and answer any questions you might have. But if you know about Jesus, but you never knew about His presence, His deliverance, and His glory, let me ask you this. Is He calling your name today? He's calling your name today. Moses was in your place when God called him. He was nobody, a sojourner in a foreign land, no family, except him with the Midianite wife, but he has no family, no home. But he wants to be with you, whoever you are, whatever you've gone through, what you are today. You can't have a relationship with your parents, Jesus, with your friends, Jesus, or Jesus, you define yourself. He calls each and every one of us by name. Respond to his call, and we love to pray for you. If you believe Jesus is your God today, would you walk with him today? Christ City, would we be His people that are concerned not only about our struggles and when they're going to end, but we are concerned about fixing our eyes on Jesus and the promises that He's given us, knowing that the suffering we have today is not our own to bear? Would we be His people that have faith in Him, that remember that He knows us, He sees us, He cares for us, He remembers us, and even when He allows us to endure sufferings, we hold on to our eternal and unshakable hope that is already in our hands, that one day Jesus will come again and take us with Him. Christ City will we be the people that answer God's call like Moses, here I am, here I am, knowing that the great I am is faithfully with us and He sends us into this neighborhood to share His gospel. His grace, His love, and mercy. 
Would we be the church that centers around God's glory? That honors His name and His glory. All the things that we do would glorify Him. And make people say, Jesus is the great I am. Jesus is Lord. I don't know if you're aware of this, but the city just approves a new development around Kids Beach. 13,000 new homes for around 24,000 residents. That's a lot. And that's a lot of people to lead to Christ. Would you pray for your heart, for a heart that hungers for God's glory in this city?